Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A woman that would give her shoelaces offer shoes if she knew it would help you. Ruthie McCoy spent a lifetime struggling with mental health, but she was entering a phase of life where things appeared they may turn around. That was until the night of April 9th, 1987, when Ruthie would fall victim to the projects of Chicago and her apartment would be broken into in the most unfathomable of ways. I'm Ben, and you are listening to Wicked and Grim. A true crime podcast. We stumbled. Every time I will literally fuck up the intro. Well, no, we do fail. We usually get it good on the actual podcast, but anytime you start it, you're like, what do I do again? I know. I literally like, we're almost like approaching our 100th episode. I'm like, what do I do? Which we are on. This is episode 98. Okay, well, just wait. Let's just, I might have F this up too. There you go. You good. Okay, that was like <laughs> kind of pitiful, but it worked. You slightly like cracked the seal a bit before, before we hit and record. And I was like, eek. Yeah, so. So 98, hey? 98, and which means on Halloween week, our 100th episode will be aired. It's like we planned that or something. It's almost like we did. But we didn't. We certainly did not. <laughs> that would have been amazing if we planned that. Right? Um, but yeah, so Halloween week's coming up. A mm-hmm. uh, whole ass week. Seven days. Of awesome Straight days of our podcast. Yeah, and we, and we have a little schedule. We got it all laid out. Um, we asked our patrons if they wanted to see the schedule. Surprisingly, they're like, no. I think one person said yes. <laughs> yeah, but it was overwhelming because uh, I was like, I'm going to do a poll today if you guys want to know the schedule. And just everyone started commenting, nope, don't want to see it. And we're like... Okay. I was surprised because that one person that said yes, like I w- would have said yes as well. So I I thought I would have too, but I guess everyone just wants to be surprised and just enjoy the Halloween week as it happens. Well, there aren't many. I just feel like I even said this to someone the other day, actually. There's just not a lot of surprises in this world anymore that are like good. <laughs> That's true, actually. So maybe people just need some of that in their life. Maybe. So um, while we're on the topic of Patreons, what we should do Shout out our patrons thank who joined her, us this week. Thank them. Yeah, let's do it. So we had Jennifer Davidson, Samuel Elkins, Jacqueline Binzer, and Lexi Jordan all join us. All join us over on Patreon this week. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. So they're getting behind the scenes stuff. They're getting some extra, extra episodes. episodes. Yeah. We've been a little bit quiet this past week as we work on the Halloween week, but we're making up for that during Halloween week because Patreon is getting some awesome stuff over there as well for Halloween week too. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. It's going to be grand. It's going to be super grand. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. So what else are we going to talk about? Anything? Um... Oh, yeah. And we have a, t- a shit ton of photos that we have to publish, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Of our Halloween stuff. We The one reel we did post was amazing. It was. Gosh, I watch that daily. It makes my day. Oh, <laughs> and I just thought of something else. I don't know if we knew this prior to last episode. If we did, we forgot to talk about it. But Kate Yup, mm. the mukbang pod, or YouTuber, posted another video the other yeah. day. You were just like shocked. The I was. Text, we should, I should screenshot the text that you sent me. <laughs> it, I was blown away. I was like, no fucking way. So that whole conspiracy just like blew up. There's new shit going on. I'm sure haven't dove into it, but yeah, I know the internet's ranting and raving right now. Oh yeah. There's a lot. I know even some people made comments about just like, oh, she probably, I wonder how she feels that she's on like true crime podcasts. And then yep. also people not even believing that that's her or, or commenting about how how she, was she dressed. looks and from like what you can see of her and yep so um i did watch the video she commented she made some comments in captions because she doesn't talk okay i was um, just like yeah she doesn't talk does she? um about her tooth her broken tooth she made some little comments about that and stuff so it, it's interesting you should go check it out i think i'm actually okay <laughs> fair enough you you were obsessed with the case when i talked about it though i was a little bit but also not with like watching the videos okay like, understandable but i you know i honestly like hope that she's just good and Same. she's fine and everything's fine and it just ended up being a big conspiracy yeah yeah that that's, would be that would be what i would hope for that's the ideal world yes mm-hmm. so should we get into it you ready i'm ready what do you got for us so today we're chatting about the sad story of ruthie may mccoy and so i'll probably refer to her mostly as ruth right um as we chat here um you did post this on our socials to see if people can guess. Yeah. Threw some people for a loop, didn't it? I know. Cause I actually thought for some reason that they, <laughs> I was like, so now I feel kind of like a jerk. I was like, someone doesn't get this in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I thought it was the easiest hint that we've almost ever put out for some reason, but I guess it wasn't cause it is misleading. It's misleading. That's Cause it the can thing. be other things is yeah. the thing. So, uh, yeah. Cause some people guess bloody Mary. Um, and then some people guess Candyman. But we've covered both those already. We have. And like, because Candyman, like we were chatting, can be a few things. There's a few cases. Uh, that kind of get referred to as Candyman. Yeah. So, so. It, this is not that, but kind of Candyman-esque all at the same time. I'll touch on that in the end. Okay. I know a yeah. little brief overview of this story, but not all the details. So I'm stoked to hear the details. Yeah. Okay. So Ruth was born in Hughes, Arkansas and was was one of eight siblings. When she was young, her family moved to Chicago due to better work opportunities. Unfortunately, as it turned out, the opportunities did not turn out to be what they had hoped for, which is kind of like a grass ain't always greener thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. Her father ended up working in coal wagons and would barely make enough to feed the family. But I mean, the family, that's a fairly large family to feed, right? No kidding. Um, I don't even want to like feed my dogs half the time like you guys eat too much food their dog food is expensive (laughs) like holy shit so ruth attended phillips high school for a little more than a year but she would quit school altogether in the 10th grade 
In her 20s, signs of mental health would begin appearing when she started the habit of talking to herself. She would also have unexpected outbursts of anger. Dang. So not great. Real quick side note. I do want to feed our dogs. You, you know, that was just a joke. I just Oh, yeah. Didn't I, I know. I know. Back? I just want to just throw that out there. I do want to feed our dogs. Just I don't so even no one hear gets what you that. said then. I guess you said you don't even want to feed them. I said, like, I don't even want to feed them half the time because it's too expensive. Oh, we joke like, about you know? shit like that all the time. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's just bad no. joking. Lover dogs want to feed them. Oh, they're just expensive. If people aren't aware on here that we're obsessed with our dogs, then they haven't been listening to enough episodes. True enough. <laughs> um, okay. So Ruth never married. And she was 27, but she did, however, become pregnant and was 27 when she gave birth to her only child named Vernita. Unfortunately for them, though, Vernita's father did not end up sticking around. And this, rightfully so, left a bitter taste or bitter, like Ruth was a bit bitter about men in general after this. Not all men are bad, but that that sucks. Yeah, not all men are bad. That is for sure. Not everyone is is like that. But. No. I would say most people are not like that, but still something like that happening to you, I could understand oh, yeah. no. why you'd be like. He a dick. Yeah. Definitely a dick. Absolutely. So Renita would bounce back and forth from her relative's home and Ruth's home due to Ruth's mental illness issues and having to, on occasion, be institutionalized. Okay. Her mental health issues were later diagnosed as being, uh, being a residual type of schizophrenia. Ruth worked many jobs, including as a housekeeper and laundromat attendant, but her mental health, again, prevented her from holding a job for any substantial amount of time, and much of her adult life was spent on financial assistance. Mental health can be such a fucking weight, man. I know, and especially back then, like I think it, every year I feel like it gets a little bit better where people are more understanding of it. Yeah, they're talking about it, vocalizing it. This was like you know, 70s, 80s kind of thing. And like, so it probably was even harder for her to succeed in life having having that, right? Yeah. Well, we just watched the Candyman movie, which yeah. is kind of loosely based on this. You'll, I'm sure you'll touch on that. But there was that one scene where the woman is like being strapped down in like a padded room. Oh, yeah. Because they said like she's going crazy. I know, like literally her arms and legs strapped down, which like they just wouldn't do that now. Yeah. And then like injecting her with whatever. And it's like Probably nowadays not, that's a, it's a, dealt with a lot different. Yeah. Not having permission for doing any of that. And ugh. Okay. So in 1983, Ruth's basement apartment in Humboldt Park flooded and she went about applying to the Chicago Housing Authority for emergency housing. She specifically asked not to be placed in a high-rise project as those places, due to the violence they faced, they terrified her. But due to a long wait list for, for the row houses and walk-ups, unfortunately, this was the only option with an immediate opening. Oh, no. I know. So in May of 1983, Ruth moved into a high-rise building. I mean, it, at least she has a place. That's, that's definitely good there. It is. It is. It just would be really nice if it was a better place because you'll kind of hear a bit more here. Uh, so it was a high rise building near Southside Chicago Housing Authority project known as ABLA. I think that's how you go about pronouncing that. It's um, an acronym. So it's A-B-L-A uh, for the names of the four different housing developments that together form one large site. So it's Adams, 
Brooks, Loomis, and Abbott, and they total about 4,000 units just shy of. Wow, 4,000. That's, that's significant. It's a lot. It's a lot. But I mean, Chicago is a pretty big city, right? True. So Ruthie was in the Grace, um, the Grace Abbott development. And sorry, sometimes I'll refer to her as Ruth and sometimes I'll refer to her as Ruthie. For some reason, I went back and forth as I was doing this. Uh, but you get the gist. So she was in the Abbott development, which was a 15-story brown Y-shaped tower rise and allegedly one of the most dangerous buildings in the Ab Abla projects. Of course, that's where she got put. Oh, Yes. And so I'm probably going to be referring to them more so as just the projects going forward. Uh, so the building are described as dark with pitch black stairwells and i'll just the i don't have this written here but this black stairwells is pretty much because they would replace the the light bulbs often maybe not often but they get stolen so like mm -hmm. the stairwells were literally always pitch black which is terrifying yeah, that's not terrifying. a safety issue whatsoever and the elevators most of the time weren't working so like Shit. I mean, I guess you could just start carrying a flashlight. I uh, yeah, but even still, I'm sure people are worried about um their possessions getting stolen or maybe I mean in a development like that, I'm sure a lot of people may not have had the financial situation to, to go even have a flashlight. a flashlight. Yeah, you're right. And let alone if you have a flashlight, maintaining batteries for it. Ugh. Because the next line here, unpleasant people who do not have your best interests at heart were like always lurking around the corner. Like you Yeah. You had to watch your back. One article I read said you're crazy if you're not always looking over your shoulder. So just a wow. really unfortunate place for Ruth and I can imagine many others. And they had no choice but to live there, right? Mm -hmm. And Ruth lived at the end of a corridor on the 11th floor and her apartment was 1109. So, yeah. Huh. I mean, there's more I could describe about the places, but yeah, I well, get the gist places there. like that, it, they break my fucking heart, man. Like, yeah. pe like people need housing. They really yeah. do. So they're forced into the situation just like Ruth is. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So being that Ruth was 53 year old, oh, year old, year old. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh you got it. Heck. Oh my gosh. Okay. So she was like 53. Like, so we've kind of progressed here in her 53 life. 53 years old. 53 years old. There we go. It's because I typed it 53 years olds. That's <laughs> why I stumbled. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, that's not old, but it's not like young either to be living in a situation yeah, like that's, that, right? That's not young and spry. That's, that's definitely old enough that whether you're in a, a good apartment building or a terrible one, 11th floor is not easy access. Exactly. So then she was also suffering from a mental illness where she was known to look disordered and would often curse at strangers. The project was not an ideal location for her to live. What she, however, did have on her side, though, was her size. She was not a small woman. At the time of her death, she was 5 feet 11 and 251 pounds and knew how to fight. So you could say she could hold her own. Ruth is going to kick your ass. Yeah. What you're saying. Yeah. Which is good. That's good. Right. Because I think it was an article where her brother had commented that she like she knew how to fight or whatever. So fucking go Ruth. I like this woman. I know. Yeah. Ruth. So not long before Ruth's final days, she was in the process of trying to create a better life for herself. She started dressing better and she, she tried to be kind to everyone around her. 
Neighbors had even seen her leave early in the mornings to go to school to retrieve her GED. Fucking everyone needs to be more like Ruth. Just fucking kind of shit. And she had even mentioned wanting to become a nurse. Oh which I'm God. like at 53 years old and you're thinking that? Like, yes. I'm no obsessed kidding. with that. Just bettering yourself and bettering your environment and bettering the world around yeah. you, honestly. She also became somewhat of a motherly figure for her neighbors at the projects. For fuck's sakes. I know. You're literally like yeah. breaking my heart yeah. right now. Yeah, I really am. Thanks. As an example because you're going to love her even more, she would go about opening apartment doors. And if they were unlocked, she would then like lecture or caution her neighbors that they needed to lock their doors. <laughs> I'm like our kind of woman. Like, Oh my God. That's the best. Wow. She can teach a Canadian how to be polite. That's, that's how good Ruth is. Let's yeah. say that. So now a reason that Ruth was starting to dress better was because in February of 1987, she went to seek psychiatric help and was approved to receive social security income as well as federal aid for the disabled. This help increased her monthly income from 154 to 340. So like doubled it really, mm -hmm. right? She also received a check for just shy of $2,000, which was retroactive to when she applied. Of course, this excited her and it gave her hope this money would give her a chance to be able to move out of the projects. Yeah. But. And it may have. It just may have. But. But first, it put a target on her back and this target led to her murder on April 9th, oh. 1987. How did it put a target on her back? Well, they, they people were noticing. So like she had newer, some new clothes. Oh. And like, so. And I don't know if rumors went around or whatever, but people noticed that she had some sort of money. Yeah, it could even be like, oh, she's purchasing some nicer groceries this week. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Like it literally. Oh, okay. That's just enough to just make you want to sob, really. Oh, man. Like if it you really think <laughs> if you think about Fuck. it too hard. Holy shit. My heart. Okay. So on April 9th. Oh, this just gets worse. Now I'm like, I don't even want to do this. Okay, so on April 9th at around 8.45 p.m., Ruth herself made a call to 911 in a panic, stating, I'm a resident at 1440 West 13th Street, and some people next door are totally tearing this down, you know, the frantic woman, being Ruth, said. What are they doing, ma'am? asked the dispatcher. Ruth's response is basically incoherent on tape, but apparently the dispatcher caught her gist. They want to break in? They asked. Yeah, they throwed the cabinet down. Dispatcher says, from where? Ruth says, I'm in the projects. I'm on the other side. You can reach, can reach my bathroom. They want to come through the bathroom. The dispatcher, all right, ma'am, at what address? Ruth, 1440 West 13th Street, apartment 1109. The elevator's working. And a little side note comment regarding the elephant elevator's working is apparently authorities would come to the projects and if they found out the elevators were not working, instead of climbing the flights of stairs, say it went up to 15 floors, they would often just leave. Really? Yeah. So she's stating like, help me, the elevators are working. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. I was like, piss when i read that whoa holy that is another heartbreaking wow. thing so dispatcher 
confirmed. 1109. All right. What's your name, ma'am? Ruth said, Ruth McCoy. Dispatcher, all right. I'll send you the police. The dispatcher was not entirely certain what Ruth had been trying to say. They were unsure what she could have meant by they throwed the cabinet down and they want to come through the bathroom. But even so, the dispatcher assigned a 12th district car to answer a disturbance with a neighbor complaint at Ruth's address. However, not choosing to report the call as a break-in attempt explains why the police had not arrived before another 911 call was actually made concerning apartment 1109. The call came from a woman who said she had been walking through the hallway and heard gunshots come from the apartment. Again, at around 9.04, another neighbor called and had reported gunshots and yelling coming from apartment 1109. Two more police cars headed to the scene. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You good? No. Fuck. I know. And I mean, I'm, I'm not faulting anyone in this situation. Because the choice to go disturbance or break and enter, it could, that might be a fine line. I mean, of course, you should have reported as a break and enter, but it's but just. But you weren't certain. Yes. And the thing is, they get a lot of calls for these areas and a lot of them apparently like aren't even legit. Exactly. So. That's where my mind was going. Yeah. So I'm not faulting the dispatcher whatsoever. No. And no. I'm not faulting the police whatsoever. You may at some point here though. I, as of right now, I'm not, mm -hmm. but the whole situation on being in that position where, for example, those false claims, for example, people, the, the, the project situation as an entirety paints this whole picture of poverty and people being, um, subject to, for lack of better terms, the system. Mm -hmm. And it's just this domino effect that's breaking my fucking heart, basically. Yeah, and it's I'm just, just like, like it's just like a whole pile of shit, really. Yeah. Like there's just no good here. Wow. So four police officers were said to have arrived at Roof's door around ten minutes after nine. So they proceeded to pound on the door, announce their presence, and called out for Ruth. When they received no answer, they asked the dispatcher to attempt to call Ruth on her phone. We think somebody may be in there holding somebody, an officer informed the dispatcher over the radio. The officers listened to the phone ring and ring and ring. The two officers who were downstairs decided to drive over to the project office, which was only a block or so away, to retrieve a key to Ruth's apartment. But when they returned with the key, the key they received didn't fit Ruth's lock. This left the officers puzzled and wondering what to do. They were not sure if they should break into the apartment. Talking with neighbors did not help them much. No one across the hall seemed to answer. The apartment next door was vacant, and the neighbors in the apartment down the hall said they hadn't heard or seen anything. 
Snitches get stitches is probably the attitude. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Other neighbors on the floor said an elderly woman lived in 1109. They say that she always answers her door. One of the officers told the dispatcher in a hesitant voice, and there's no answer. So I don't know if maybe she answered to the wrong person or what. The officers then contacted the project office again, but the janitor said she had no other, or he or she said they had no other key for 1109. So then at 9.48 p.m., the police left. Left. Fuck. Yeah. So the next evening, police received a call from Deborah Lacely, an 11th floor neighbor of Ruth's. Deborah explained that Ruth had always stopped by her apartment on her way out of the building every morning and when she would return in the afternoon. But today she did not stop by at all. Deborah had seen police at Ruth's door the night before and she grew worried. Later, nearly half a dozen police officers and four to five CHA security, so like the security of the housing, I'm pretty sure, guards, Mm -hmm. arrived at the apartment. Their knocks and calls for Ruth, again, went unanswered. A majority of the police officers thought they should break down the door to check on her. Like, duh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the security guards discouraged them from breaking down the door, though, to check on Ruth. One of them mentioned the possibility of the tenant suing them if the police were to break in. Also, if you break down the door, the security guards told the police officers, you have to get someone here to, like, secure it. You can't leave this this door just broken. So the police again shrugged and left. Oh. The, okay, the amount of, like, candy and crackers and shit that are just shoving in my mouth as I was typing this up because this was stressing me out. Like, that is brutal. It is. Like, Brutal. Wow. It's hard to even know what to say there. You're telling me the police don't have resources to get a door fixed? I know. After breaking it well, in. Well, and the like there was, so there was like half a dozen of them and four to five security people. So like one of them can stay. You would think. So the next day, and this is day three at this point, good old Deborah, thank you, Deborah, again notified the project office of her concerns. At about 1 p.m., a project official arrived at Ruth's door with a carpenter who then drilled through the lock. And lo and behold, lying there, they found Ruth in the bedroom on her side in a pool of blood with her hand over her chest. Thrown around on her floor were papers, magazines, and coins. And the police were notified, and when they arrived later and turned Ruth over slightly, a faint aroma of rotting flesh rose through the apartment. The smell gave the police reason to believe she had been dead since the first day they came to check on her. Yeah, don't fucking say, brah. Like, did the friggin' wow. reports of the gunshots in the friggin' goddamn apartment not give that away? Yeah, you would think so. <sighs> yeah. One of the officers in charge must have been named Carl, because not cool, Carl. No, super Fuck. not cool. I th- I just feel like more, like, I mean, it almost seemed obvious that something was wrong in there oh definitely so the medical examiner who performed the autopsy on ruth's body stated that she had been shot four times most likely with a gun of medium caliber one bullet passed through her left shoulder another passed through her left thigh a third entered the right side of her abdomen 
piercing her liver and exited the left side of her abdomen. The fourth and fatal bullet passed through her upper right arm, then entered her chest and severed her pulmonary vein. The official cause of death was reported as internal bleeding. Jeez. They weren't able to retrieve any bullets by the sound of it, which could have been helpful as evidence. I don't know if. Yeah, I, nothing ever into. said anything about bullets, actually. Hmm. So Ruth was said to not have died immediately, according to the examiner. But because of the injury to the pulmonary vein, a print, which is like a main vessel in the, in the lung, um, he doubts she did last long. So, I mean, I don't know. She probably wouldn't have been saved so, regardless yes. of what you're trying to say. Yes. So even if the police probably got to her and like rushed her to the hospital, she probably would have like died anyway, right? Mm -hmm. So she was later pronounced dead at Cook County Hospital at 4.35 p.m. on Feb or Friday, April 24th. So two men were arrested for Ruth's murder. They were both also residents of the projects. Edward Turner, who was 19, and John Honduras, who was 25. And it was theorized that the men were aware of Ruth's new monthly income and thought she had stashed it away in her apartment somewhere. Wow. Like brutal, eh? No kidding. So here's another kicker, though. But how did these two men get into Ruth's apartment? Yeah, did this this part I know. Did she just answer the door, as it was mentioned earlier, to the wrong people? Well, the answer is no. These two individuals broke into Ruth's apartment via the bathroom mirror. Yep. Like horror movie material right there. A hundred percent. Literally. Yeah. And we'll talk about that shortly here. It was in 1986, so a year prior to Ruth's death, that the medicine cabinet break-ins began, which is something I just never even knew existed. Until researching Which this case. I feel like sad that someone has to be fearful of that. Yep. So apparently the pair of apartments at the end of each floor in the high rises have adjacent bathrooms. In between their medicine cabinets is a pipe chase of about two and a half feet. If you remove six screws from one medicine cabinet, pull the cabinet out of the wall, crawl through the pipe chase, and kick in the other cabinet, you're in the next apartment. Yep. Like, fucked. It's basically a window facing a window. You kick one in and kick the other out, you're in another apartment. Like, that's insane to me. Yeah. So in some areas of the building, you can even climb vertically in the pipe chase to an apartment above or below the one you start in. Oh, shit. That I didn't know. And people who live at the end of the corridor with a vacant apartment adjacent are particularly susceptible to this. Ruth's building at the time of her murder was nearly 30% vacant. So there was a lot of like empty space. And I'm I'm pretty sure the the ones at the end were only the ones that had these adjacent mm -hmm. um, mirrors. It wasn't like everybody in there. So often gangs would take over multiple apartments that connected while keeping the bathroom cabinet open so they could move or like make fast getaways if police or security were to come after them. Gotcha. When the break-in started, some residents would pull their couches in front of their bathroom door or secure their bathroom doorknob with rope before turning in for the night. Oh. The buildings were designed 
this way with the pipe chases behind the medicine cabinets to provide the janitors with easy access to the plumbing. You know, no one in their right mind would have ever thought something like yeah. this would be happening. And not to uh, to give anyone credit for, you know, breaking and entering into homes, but I mean, that that's some clever shit to find that out and figure out how to, to use it for getaways and stuff like that like that's, i feel like it has it would probably i bet you anything it was not smart at all it was completely random someone doing something stupid oh probably but then like to take advantage of it for getaway purposes and stuff and like maze out through the apartment building and stuff like that it's, it's relatively clever let's say that no <laughs> no okay, okay i okay the last episode i said that someone was clever and you're like no okay how's this no. i'm impressed <laughs> with um, the engine, not even the ingenuity. I'm just impressed with the situation. Okay. okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's some like fucking MacGyver shit. <laughs> Give him a paperclip and a rubber band and see what he does. Oh my gosh. So unfortunately, Ruth's murder did not receive a lot of media coverage. Many theorize it was likely due to the fact that this happened to a black woman who had been living in the projects. Yeah, most likely. Who also um, was not 100% mentally stable. So, like, mm. that's really unfortunate. Um, residents are blown away, knifed, kicked to death almost every week. And that number apparently increases in warmer weather. Two days after Ruth's body was found, unknown assailants used a stick and their hands and feet to beat to death a 40-year-old man who lived in an Abla row house. And three days after that, another murder took place outside of Ruth's building, where a 25-year-old female was stabbed in the chest. Wow. So things like this were a weekly occurrence. Yeah. The story did gain some attraction when word got out that Ruth's killers entered through a medicine cabinet. But this didn't shock many who lived in the high-rises. Um, the janitor said, You get desensitized by what goes on here every day. It's animalism over here. That's the prevailing life condition of the people. Animalism, where you worry about those who are stronger and you care nothing about those who are weaker. Wow. Those are some seriously heavy words. I know. So sad. Like, oh and imagine God. his job is probably just terrifying. Hey, no kidding. Being the, like having to work in that. I mean, live and yeah, work. Imagine living in it, let alone work in it. It's yeah, it's all this bad here. So to conclude, Ruth has spent a majority of her life living afraid and filled with paranoia. She had her locks changed a few times, housing records show, and I think one of the times she did have them changed, she never gave them the key, which is why that key didn't work. Gotcha. She tried her best to fight her internal battles along with protecting herself from the exterior battles she was facing with her living situation, and when her life was taken off, Taking off in a direction she had always hoped, her worst fears became a reality. And she didn't deserve any of this. Fuck. Poor Ruth. Yeah. So, which brings us to two other things that I wanted to mention and talk about. First, Candyman. Mm -hmm. So, I'm probably going to get some slack for this, but I literally just watched this movie, like, right before we recorded for the first time. Yep. Um... Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> so it's a 1992 film that was actually redone last year in 2021. So now I want to watch that. 
um, because we watched the original. So, and remember when I said this was horror movie material, right? Yep. Well, there are several parallels between Ruth's murder and the movie. And I, yeah, I'll just go through these and then we'll chat about them after. So one being... Um, the fact that the film also takes place in Chicago in public housing complex. And they did actually mention projects. They said the projects in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and so while the horror flick references the notorious, um, I think they called it the Cabrina Green complex in Chi-Town, the real life murder took place at the Grace Abbott homes, which is not far from that. And the Candyman protagonist who investigates the site of the bathroom based killings in the movie befriends a woman with a similar name to ruth and her name was Anne marie mccoy with ruth's name being ruth may mccoy so those are kind of the similars because that movie is like when you look it up it's it says it's based on something else right yeah but they're there's a few things that you you have to think that they took some reference from this oh, case. hundred percent did. And there's actually um, something you said earlier uh, a couple minutes ago uh, reminded me because you said that Ruth's case didn't get much media coverage, most mm-hmm. likely because she was a black woman and living in the projects, right? Yeah. In the Candyman movie, uh, Helen, the protagonist, uh, gets attacked while kind of investigating the area, searching for the Candyman. Mm. And she says that she's getting coverage, but like- Probably because she's a white woman. All these black people prior to her haven't been getting any coverage. Yeah. Yeah, because she pretty much like got instant and they caught the people. The perpetrator. Yeah. That did this to her instantly, because right? Because she's white. Yeah. Yeah. So just just wrong. Like, and I do think that the they had to have taken something from this. They had to. There's just too many little similarities that. Definitely. It's not. That's not a coincidence. Yeah. The whole candy man. Definitely not taken from, but the bathroom window, or sorry, the bathroom mirror and like the project's settings and stuff. Yeah. 100%. 100%. They definitely took at least like, what would be the word? Influenced, I guess. Influenced or inspired by. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the second is a TikTok video that went viral in March 2021. Right. Um, I heard about this, but I have no very little detail, so I'm excited for this. It one. was interesting, so I did go about finding it. So I think how did I, I think I just went to TikTok and typed in Samantha Hartshoe. So it's Samantha, and then the last name is H A R T S O E. And so she went viral on TikTok when she posted a four part series where she discovered a hidden apartment behind her bathroom mirror, like a whole ass, a apartment. whole ass apartment. Wow. She noticed a cool breeze blowing in her bathroom and like she shows us in one of her videos and just there was no window or working air vent, but, and she had covered the, like the, the hole that the doorknob, I don't even know what you call that would go in. Like she thought it was coming through like the door frame of sorts, I guess. But then she was like, I can still feel it. And she like showed her hair. It was like her hair was moving. Like there was a breeze, right? Mm -hmm. And so as she went about investigating, she removed the mirror from the wall and discovered a large hole. And like most people, I think at that point would just like call the landlord and be like, what the shit? But like. Fuck this shit, I'm out. She like suited up and went in there. (laughs) Man, the balls she must have. Like that. I don't know. I don't know if I would be able to do that. Like that's a little terrifying. But she did have a friend over when she did this, which is a good thing, I think. And then 
My first worry would be getting spiders in my beard. She like she wore a mask and then she had like some sort of makeshift um like headlamp thing. Um, so yeah, she um where am I here? I'm like all over the place because I'm kind of just like reliving those videos in my head. So then she goes through the space and then literally like is running through this whole abandoned apartment. Wow. That's like no one's living in there. And it's just like Is it furnished or empty? Empty, pretty much. Like it's it's the literally the most bizarre thing in the whole world. But then one of the lock like the lock, it was unlocked. So then you see in their video, like she locks it. <laughs> I'm just like at that point, I'd be like, I'm just so done here. Wow. So her video obviously is being compared to Candyman and and Ruth's murder, right? So she, like I said, she's seen locking this abandoned apartment. Um Behind, that's behind her mirror and then she obviously goes back into her own apartment and then says she's like i'm gonna be calling my landlord kind of thing but i think like the moral of the story here is along with locking your doors and windows you now have to be concerned about what may be lurking behind your motherfucking bathroom mirror <laughs> like i'm just like i can't i'm done i'm like tapping out at this point here we're just not safe <laughs> we're not safe it's like the hide your kids, hide your wife thing, but it's like lock your door, lock your window, lock your mirror. Like, okay, I'm I know I'm safe in my tiny home because like our mirror medicine cabinet thing is on the exterior wall. But like every hotel I go into now, dude, like I'm fucking checking. Like I, I'm gonna have to check. Like oh, this is fucked. You're just gonna be going around looking for a breeze or what? Yeah. And seeing if I can pull off the medicine cabinet. Just don't. I'll probably end up like damaging something. <laughs> no kidding. But just don't say Candyman in the oh. five times when you do it. Yeah. Candyman. Or Helen. Candyman. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's this case. This case wow. is is sad. It's it's very interesting and like the things, the show and now this viral TikTok thing because you're kind of like oh that. Like, does that actually exist? But it's like still exists. Can we put it in the show notes, like a link to the the TikTok videos? Do you have a link or can we link it? I don't know. If if we can link it, we'll put it down below. I think so. But she does like you just have to search. I'm pretty sure I'll you just search her name and then like she has the the them pinned. Mm. So she has the three first ones pinned. And then you don't have to scroll very far. Yeah, but if we if we can find it like a YouTube yeah. video or something. Yeah. Actually, yeah. There's because she was on Ellen. She actually went on Ellen. Oh yeah, you mentioned that. So maybe we can find a link of that. So, huh. so yeah, like honestly, I guess just check your bathroom mirrors. And as I'll leave you with that. <laughs> I have another request. Yeah. Um, can we make Ruth the badass of the day for how kind she was trying to be and how positive she was trying to make the world around her? I know. Like she wasn't. I don't think she was really always that way, but she really had at one point i think decided to change her life and mm -hmm. she was going about doing that she and was trying she yeah. was in a desperate situation and she was trying and that so, takes a lot of strength to even just try a hundred percent yeah she needs to be because this this is so sad so official i'll let you name it yeah ruth is the badass of the day awesome yeah well well done in that episode good job. that my fucking heart broke for Ruth that whole time. It was like slowly just falling mm -hmm. to pieces. So thank you for that. Yeah. yeah Much appreciated. Well, I mean, gosh, look what you, you do to me. So sleep with that. <laughs> that. That's always your response. Sleep with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got a lot more coming up next week for Halloween week. Like I said, yes. seven whole days in a row. 
epic stuff coming down the pipe. And even if you want to check out the more extra content that'll be over on Patreon, you can check it out there. Uh, we also have other social media like Facebook, Instagram. We have a website, you name it. So go check it out. All links down below. Yeah. Even if not, we appreciate you still. Yeah. And get excited because next week, like Tuesday to Monday, right? Tuesday to Monday. Tuesday Epicness. to Monday. Yeah. So that the, our normal Tuesday yeah. on the, which is November 1st, we won't be posting that day because the whole. Oh yeah. Halloween, you're going to have to yeah. get caught up on the seven days. So. Yeah. And we need to catch up on sleep on that November 1st day. So. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, until then. Stay wicked. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.